You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash rvpod to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on-demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code PODCAST10 to get 10% off our essential membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake. And here with me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. Hi there, Tony. How are you today, Maggie? I'm doing okay. And it looks like uh, stocks are doing okay, too. The major markets in the U.S. moved higher despite a warning from Target that profits are going to be squeezed because of unwanted inventory. I guess good news for bargain hunters, but not so great for Target. Uh, the 10-year Treasury yield looked like it was back below 3%, but kind of hanging in there, not far off that. And oil, strong again. So let, let's unpack some of that. Well, you know, What's top of mind for you? What have you been watching? Yeah, well, I'm watching everything. Obviously, Maggie targets in uh, my wheelhouse with a short in retail on our view matrix. And, um, you know, it's just worth seeing what's going on when some of the retailers are getting caught with too much inventory. As you said, you know, I like there was a great Wall Street Journal um, headline today. You know, Target is going down because they've got too much stuff. So that's a little bit about, you know, the play that I think is going to continue to play out across retail where, you know, they had some of their finest moments with everybody shopping from home. And we seem to have been through that phase now and moving to a phase of sort of maybe travel and entertainment spending on this side of the, um, you know, of the lockdown, et cetera. So, you know, the Target thing is worth watching because the retail sector was flat. You know, there was um, Target was down 10 percent at one point early in the morning today. It's going out today somewhere around only down 2%. So there's a big recovery. And it's worth noting that retail didn't make a new low on that target news, you know, the sector broadly speaking. So that sector looks like it may be getting in the later innings of this sell-off for now if it continues to sort of hang in there on really bad news. So, you know, around that story though, Maggie, I, you know, I keep coming up with the same thing of the great rotation today, because if you look at um, the leaderboard, it is an actual Picasso for those of us who are along the natural resources sector. Um, you know, we've got XOP with a new breakout high, oil and gas up 3.5% today. Um, metals and mining joins the chorus today up 3%. That sector's coming off a big support level. Oil services, um, another 3% rally. XLE, IGE, the natural resources sector up over 2%. What I like about these is these are the sectors that are leading the market year to date, right? And, you yeah. know, XOP, the energy sector, some of that stuff is up 70%, as in 7-0 year to date. 
Natural resources up 44% year to date, XME up 27% year to date. And then behind that, you know, we've had um, aerospace and biotech, which are kind of nowhere on the year. Um, then we had all the junk on the year up 1%. So mm-hmm. we had software rally, you know, 1% today, momentum stocks rallied, cloud, cybersecurity. Those are all down 20% on the year. So those are the su- uh, sectors that are still sagging in that great rotation. And, you know, this oil story keeps getting better. Um, it's dragging sentiment with it, but there's just a really positive outlook out there and prices are reflecting that. Yeah. So let, let's let I, I want to talk about both the prices of, of the commodity itself and then and then what you were talking about in equities. And let, let's get to a question right out of the gate. Paul on the exchange um, saying, uh, Tony, U.S. oil supplies are at a 13 year low. SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, is at a 19 and a half year low, according to EIA reports. How long will the energy bull keep bucking? I mean, does it look like I mean, we're sitting above 120 now. Does it look like there's more upside? Oh, yeah. Why would there? Where's the downside, Maggie? I'm trying to figure out where the supply is coming from. You know, I understand that markets get overbought and we're ways away from, our, you know, moving averages in a lot of the energy sectors and in some of the commodities themselves. Um, the issue is that there is the constant attack on, attack on supply. Um, we've got this tightening where everybody around is sort of holding on to what they would be exporting and, you know, that's driving the prices higher. What we're seeing finally today um, is maybe some signs that there's an interim peak in the physical oil market. We saw a little bit of a pullback in crack spreads today. We saw a little bit of a pullback in the tightness in the curve today. So um, what's interesting to me as a very interesting tell, while we saw that pullback in the crack spread, the pullback in the calendar, um, we saw a little bit of a rally in flat price through 120 now, and all the refineries are breaking out. So it's interesting to see that even though there's a pullback in you know some of the indicators in oil, that they're still buying in the stocks and those continue to break out. So I don't know how long that is going to last, but my guess is that they are going to remain in the driver's seat, certainly in the lead on the year. And unless there is some sort of a political pivot, we are going to see much higher oil prices. You know, um, we're getting to that five dollar sticker shock um, prices at the pump. I know that I'm looking into a couple of flights and airline prices are off the oh, handle, right? Crazy. They're, they're, right. Some crazy. Of them are eight and 10 times what they were during the pandemic. If you remember that treat where you could fly pretty much anywhere in the country for 150 bucks, um, that, that did, those days are over. So, um, you know, we're getting to the point of um, price elasticity. But, you know, I don't know if the economy is really slowing enough, broadly speaking, for there to be a big slowdown in gasoline or diesel demand. And that's the sort of question that I've got in my head right now. That's the question on the energy trader's mind is, you know, okay, if there's a little bit of a stagflation story, if there's a pullback economically, is that really going to slow diesel demand? Because diesel demand continues to grow in a flat economy. So if there's necessarily a pullback, we may be sideways in diesel demand growth. And I don't know if that's necessarily bearish um, the energy sector. 
So we're trying to figure all that right now. Um, but it looks like we're still going to see continued strength and a lot of natural resources plays. It still seems like it makes sense to me to sell rallies and technology. If you've had those stocks for a long time, I think there's, you'll get a few chances to pivot out of them before the year is over. But this is the way the tape is driving really hard this year. And I think that it's going to continue to do so. I'm, I'm curious, Tony, on the equity on the equity side, uh, there are some people who just, you know, did not heed uh, the advice and and did not adequately increase exposure to energy, perhaps, or some did, but maybe not as much as they wanted to. And now they're thinking, is it too late? Um, you know, the, because as you said, some of these numbers, I mean, even just individually, if you look at the oil, I, I just looked really quickly because I noticed that Exxon was up 4% today. I mean, you know, 62% year to date, right? Chevron 51%. And, and just as you said, you could go across for the, the day gains, you said you could go across all of the, the tickers you mentioned and huge gains year to date. Is it too late? Does it feel like there's more upside on the equity front or has, is that maybe looking a little toppy right now? Great question, Maggie, because that that is, you know, that that is the topic that comes up across my um, client co consultation calls during the course of the day is, you know, uh, can we still be aggressive buyers at this price? And, you know, I, I obviously have not been advising chasing everything into the stratosphere because I never do. You know that about me. Yeah. I'm, I'm much more tactical about entries. Um, but, you know, right now we've got this situation where sentiment in energy is definitely stretched to the positive side. There's no doubt um, we are at a phase where things are getting overbought technically, where they're getting stretched, you know, tremendous distances percentage wise from, say, their 200 day moving average. Right. Right now we've got XOP trading, you know, really stretched farther than it's been in a long time away from those moving average support levels. So you're kind of on the lookout for, you know, reasons to make sales here. You know, you're look on the lookout for reasons to take some profit on this trade. The thing that prevents you from doing so is that the sort of uh, the structure and the physical side of the story is still so firm with, you know, we're still short a lot of diesel. We're short a lot of natural gas. There's still a lot of buyers out there that are trying to get some into storage. The commodity market is really tight. The spot market is the only game in town. So it still feels like with, you know, with merchants and end users trying to get their hands on physical commodities that we're just this is going to be the state of affairs for the next several months. So yeah. while it is in price, a price that is sort of um, stretched in a short term basis. A lot of these energy companies are trading at a cheaper multiple than they've been trading for a long time. And the refineries are trading, you know, the refinery set up with, the, you know, the crack spreads haven't blown out. They're set up better for profits now, and I've been saying this, than they were six months ago at half the price. So now you're seeing portfolio managers that say, well, you know, if I'm going to buy for a long time out, you know, a long time out the time curve, I can pay these prices because I can see oil staying higher, refinery margin staying high, and eventually price will really rip. And so that's what we're seeing now. And it, it's hard to go along with that. Um, so like I said, I'd rather advise clients to pick better chances, but it's still big picture wise, the setup is for energy prices to go higher and probably the stocks as well, quite honestly. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, um, and, and just, just to underscore that, of course, you know, everyone, this is big picture. You've got to evaluate your own risk profile. You know, if you were in these stocks, what kind of profits you're sitting on your time horizon, when you need them, all that kind of stuff that, that is always when we're talking, um, something people need to take into consideration and make individual decisions, but this is just the broad backdrop that we're talking about. Um, so you, you, I want to talk about the refiners for a second, because you had a terrific conversation with Doomberg. Uh, it's on our website, right? now. And I know the issue of refining came up. And what, what do people need to understand about how important refining capacity is playing into the story? And, you know, are all of those equities sitting with the kind of gains we've seen? Or is this, you know, is there some sort of rotation within the energy sector that we might say? Yeah, that's interesting. And a, a fair way to put it that right now, there is definitely a rotation into refiners, right? Like Marathon Petroleum, Valero, Delic, those names are up 10% in the last week. Wow. And, you know, that is sort of to my to me, that is sort of a late portfolio manager reaction to the crack spreads having blown out so far. And now they're realizing, you know, they're finally sharpening their pencil and realize, like we said, the refiners are better set up for profitability now than they were six months ago at half the price. So now that they're better set up for profitability at the highs, you've got portfolio managers saying they're still cheap to me, right? They're still cheap to me out six months. They're still cheap to me if, you know, gasoline is going to stay around $5 at the pump where the national average is now ticking just above. So, you know, until we see that real demand destruction, real signs of maybe gasoline demand growth falling, it's hard to figure out how these stocks are going to back off other than sentiment getting, you know, so far in the positive territory. But it doesn't feel to me like portfolio managers are that long, either the stocks or certainly not the commodities. I can call up a chart right now, Maggie, yeah. of managed, managed futures in crude oil and it will sort of show you that the positioning is in the middle of the historic range and not even near the top of it where you see portfolio um where you see speculators getting excessively long so yeah. in my in the back of my mind i still kind of picture that buying power that if funds want to get in late to crude oil or get in badly or suddenly a headline comes out and 120 dollars still seems cheap they still have a lot of firepower to put into this market. And I would imagine that that's across equities and the commodities. So that's why, you know, I, I really hesitate to play the commodity space, especially energy anyway, but from the long or flat side. You know, that's so important, Tony, I think. And that and, 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 you know, it has come up. It was what I was just thinking about, because, you know, if you get to the end of a quarter, you know, we always say like, you know, th there is a certain amount of chasing winners or making sure winners are in your holdings so that your performance measures up. Right. And so, yeah. you know, in that situation um, or as a defensive play, so that 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 would one would think that would lend some support that there's that there are buyers on the sideline if you are going to see any kind of dip. Yeah, you know, a lot of these stocks are still cheap on a cash flow basis, on a you know earnings basis, on whatever whatever basis and matrix you want to look at the energy stocks. 
they have a bright, bright future now until there's a change, a dramatic change in our political stance. So I think that you're just seeing, you know, a little bit of that um, sort of people either having to stop out or, you know, just getting into the markets late. And we're seeing that on our screens now. But no matter what, you've got to have, you know, the energy market sort of on a dimmer where, you know, you're still looking to get longer on dips and sort of less long on rips, right? That's still the way we want to trade these things. So even though the situation and the prospects are extremely bullish, I just don't want to be, you know, misconstrued as saying this is a place to pile into these names in any way. So I th great, great to underscore that. I think that's super yeah. important because, you know, sometimes when, when we're talking about this again, we're painting a broad picture. But I, I like what you just said, because I think we can also, by the way, ask that question when it comes to maybe in a different way, this idea of how you strategize around these this time in the market. So we're talking about, you know, uh, the oil market, whether it seems like it's getting toppy or overbought, how do you position around that? And I hope, Bo, I hope that answers your question. Bo asking, would you take profits on long held oil longs? I mean, it depends, right? I don't know that there's enough context there um, yeah. for Tony to answer that, but you're getting the idea that you need to be a little cautious here. As I've, as I've, you know, um, as I've advised clients, put it that way, you know, who have been in this trade for quite a long time, this is one of those times to turn the dimmer switch down a little bit on the position size, right? When they get really stretched away from the moving averages, because you want to be able to turn the dimmer side or the dimmer back up and turn your positions back up when they pull into support. That's just being a trader, right? Mm -hmm. Being a fundamental analyst, you have to know in the back of your head that the picture keeps getting better for them as the buyers get lined up below the market, right? So what happens is you have dips that are even shorter in duration and steeper in price than they would be because as soon as a refiner backs off one percent right now everybody's like okay let's get back after the refiners you know yeah. so it's really really difficult to d difficult to manage right now and i think this issue of whether you have a sort of group of buyers in there and that sentiment as a backdrop matters so i caught up and i, I want to get your perspective on stocks and it may be the the opposite kind of scenario but i caught up with christoph alari uh, recently we talked about the outlook for inflation and growth and he's very concerned that the fed's still playing catch up and even though we're seeing this bounce uh, right now, and it feels like equities, you know, the tendency is to try to find a rally here. Um, he's worried that there's a lot more pain to come for risk assets uh, and the S&P 500. Let's have a listen to that clip. I, I, I was making some calculation. I think that, you know, to, to go back to uh, some financial conditions that will be more, more in line with the Fed uh, target, you need to go to 100. And, and I think that will put that will put the... Um, the S&P around 3,400. So let's say 12 to 14 percent lower. But but in the mind of the Fed and 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 bear in mind, I'm not trying to criticize the Fed because it's it's very easy, you know, a posteriori to say it was so obvious. I don't know anyone who say who, who envisage inflation to be at eight and a half percent. Nobody. So that's the first thing. And they've been late to tighten, but. I think that there was a trauma of the human shock of COVID, which which impacted their their um, their uh, decision making process, and I think that for Powell there was a trauma 2018, and uh, so I guess that human plus uh, lessons of the past made them to be uh, to be um, to be patient, and they wanted to to target the the U.S. job market first. 
Christoph also very concerned about Europe, by the way. That full interview is available to all members on our website. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts here when it comes to the S&P 500? How are you positioning around this? Broadly speaking, I still have, um, you know, I'm, I'm back to being a long short trader, to be quite honest with you, Maggie. I'm trying to capitalize on the great rotation. I'm looking at, I'm really looking at shorts and technology as as good a potential investment as longs in the natural resources space mm. because i'm starting to get more and more conviction that this is the right way for the next several years where big tech technology big cap technology is going to finally you know take a back seat to a lot of the hard asset miners and drivers and producers and that's the way it's going to be for the next five to ten years because it feels like this inflation genie is out of the bottle. It, I couldn't agree more that the Federal Reserve is miles behind in terms of you know doing anything about it. And I don't think there's any chance of any political turnaround that would you know alleviate the energy side of the inflation predicament. So I'm going to continue to look for upside surprises in in data like this Friday's CPI number, yeah. where we're expecting you know 8.4 percent or something, and I'm expecting like a double digit surprise at some point. I don't know if it's this this month or next month, but with energy prices up here for longer, natural gas safely above nine dollars again. I mean, I can't imagine how they don't tick above 10 percent CPI, and if that's the case, that's going to put pr- higher pressure, upward pressure on yields. Upward pressure on yields to me is still going to mean downward pressure on the S&P. And I'm going to stick with my story, Maggie, that it's probably the type of rotation where energy, metals and mining, natural resources names hold up and perform fairly well. Technology names probably don't perform very well. That includes the five big FANG names, which are the biggest still, you know, plus Microsoft and maybe a few others which are still the biggest names in any index and any passive ETF. So net net, that's probably going to mean a negative performance for the S&P once it's all said and done. But you're going to see some eye popping upside performance in, in natural resources space. And I think that that can continue for a long time. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. We got a couple of specific questions on that, which I want to get to. I want to ask you about uranium. This is something that we know we always get comments on. But right before we were coming to air, you you mentioned that it was on your radar because of some news coming out. What do we know? Yeah, you know, the headline just came across, I think, less than an hour ago that the United States is going to purchase $4.3 billion of domestic uranium, right, which is a great relief headline for the uranium bulls, right? We just had a situation where that sector probably got over its skis and well long and deserve just a regular market dynamic pullback. And now we got this headline to hang our hat on where the U.S. government is going to buy $4.3 billion of locally produced uranium. So it sounds to me like another headline where they're trying to cut Russia out of the picture, right? They're trying to cut that production out of the picture, just like there's a, I saw a headline this morning where the U.S. is sort of blocking any investment in any Russian securities, 
So they're trying to sort of, you know, as, as Russia bucks the Rothschild banking system, um, you know, um, a lot of the participants in that system are just trying to block them out of all the various other outlets for their rubles. But yeah. right now, while he's got rubles tied to energy and energy is life, I'm going to say that he's not going to go out of business anytime soon. So, you know, we'll see how these um, we'll see how these sanctions and, and embargoes wind up working. To me, it's all more inflationary stuff. To me, it's all stuff that's bullish natural resources and commodities across the board. Amazing. Um, for, for We know that there's a lot of interest for uranium. Um, as you all know, we've got a lot of content on the website, including um, just uh, a couple of months ago, I did a, an interview with the CEO of one of the domestic uranium producers. Um, so go ahead and check that out. A lot of the sort of fundamentals of what he talks about still stands. And we've got I'm doing an interview with somebody who it f solely focuses on, on uranium. I think it's next week. So that's going to be super timely. Can't wait to put this news to to him and, and find out what his thoughts are on about it. So keep keep an eye out for that as well. It's going to be a super interesting story to follow. So we've got uh, John Kay on the RV site, Tony. Views on ag and chemicals. Um, stocks like nutrients seem to be making a short-term top. It's hard to be anything but bullish ag, ag chem, things like that. You know, they're finally consolidating uh, a little bit um, as natural gas has been consolidating around $9. A lot of the fertilizer names and, and names like that have been consolidating around their highs, you know, maybe testing a 50-day moving average or something like that. Um, as a momentum and, and performance trader, it's almost impossible for me to get bearish them right now um, until they either break a major moving average or start putting in some months where they can't perform at all. So mm -hmm. I still think that the prospects are positive for both natural gas, which is the sort of tip of that, you know, really the tip of the ag commodity spear, and then in turn probably bullish the grains, the food producers, all of that. You know, the, the, the bottom line, Maggie, is that until we address this issue where we're constantly attacking supply in fossil fuels and also trying to slam net zero on the tape, there's just going to be upward pressure on the oil market, on natural gas and on all of the associated ag and food and fertilizer names. Mm. Uh, Daniel, that answers your question as well. Daniel was asking about, you know, the impact of natural gas as a cost input uh, for fertilizer manufacturers. Um, Tony, is there is, is there anything in the commodity space that you're less enthusiastic about? I mean, it is a broadly speaking, a pretty bullish, uh, you know, um, outlook, a, as you've been saying, for months, by the way, like, oh, well, probably even longer than that. Gosh. But mm -hmm. um, but is there anything that you're that that you're a little bearish or that you think would underperform if people are looking to get a little bit more specific? You know, it's hard to pick underperformers, Maggie, when that when, you know, the and I don't want to keep too much beating the drum, but the energy market is so full with opportunities now. You know, there are charts yeah. that are popping off all over the place. The spreads are the spreads are trading like flat price on their own, right? There's a lot of volatility within the curve. There's a lot of volatility in the crack spreads now that's lending volatility to that refiner sector of the energy market. It's like I've got so much time focused on all of these things that I can't really tell what's not performing or falling behind. Yeah. You know, I, I would imagine I, I, I like to tease a lot of, of uh, traders in my Slack channel when they mention cocoa because they've been trying to play cocoa from the long side because it's another hard asset, another commodity story. And cocoa goes nowhere but down. So that's one of the things that probably, you know, I would tend to fade if I was going to take some time and really 
put some time and energy into understanding that trade and why I'm fading it and why it's going down. But otherwise, you know, it, it's just easier for me right now to stay bullish to be calm. If I'm going to yep. look for bearish underperformance, underperforming things, I can go choose any of the five tech generals, all of yep. which have been shot from their highs and probably leave a lot of opportunities to sell rallies and get short things like that if I'm looking for the underperformance. So that's just the way my brain is wired right now, Maggie. I'm long yep. resources and I'm looking to short tech on rallies everywhere I can. No, it, it's it's important distinction to make because if you're looking at some of these ETFs and they're broad, you're kind of buying everything. But when you have a, a sector that where there is a lot of strength, um, you know, you have to be less worried about that, perhaps, than if you see, uh, you know, you have to be a little if you see divergence and you have to be a little bit more specific. So that's that's why I asked. Um, Yo-Yo asking, do you see natural gas hitting uh, 14 level? Yeah, it's hard to pick an upside on on any of the fossil fuel prices now. You know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a 150 or 200 dollar oil guy. Like I'm not putting a cap on it. I see it going a lot higher now. Natural gas seems to be in the same kind of predicament. You know, until we start to see U.S. and European storage averages pick back up well into their five year ranges. You know, which I think that they're trying to accomplish right now by, you know, being probably a very visible buyer of natural gas with intent to store um, until I saw that buyer go away or until I see, you know, the, the, the curve soften or something like that. It's hard to be anything but extremely bullish natural gas, especially as we're trying to still transfer to more and more inter intermittent power you know, going into the summertime, going into the winter, whatever it is, as we try to transition to more intermittent power, that just leaves a lot more risk to have to pivot back to natural gas. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have a feeling that this bid only scenario and natural gas is going to be with us. And and by bid only, I mean that you, it's another uh, commodity that it's probably unwise to short because like your inherent risk reward is you know, maybe you catch a 15% dip on the downside, but what if the, the, the price could literally double overnight on something completely insane? So when, you know, even though that's a tail event, I can't sleep well when that's my risk. And so that's why I can't short commodities at all right now, because that risk is just a little too real for me. So I'm, I'm kind of a one-way train player. And I just keep using going back to that dimmer switch of being sort of, uh, you know, less long on rallies and more long on dips, if that's fair. Totally fair. And and fantastic insight as always, Tony. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks, Maggie. Great job conducting that. <laughs> and we just want to give you a heads up. Uh, Ash will be back, Ash Bennington, tomorrow with Darius Dale. Um, you get a double dose of Ash because we have our new show, Crypto Unwrapped, live. It's a deep dive with all the major stories in that space, and it's happening every Wednesday live. I think, do I have the times? Yes, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7.30 in Mumbai, 10 p.m. in Hong Kong. If you're not sitting in those three places, you can sort of figure it out from there. But uh, definitely check it out. So we'll see you back here same time tomorrow. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.